Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. God with us. He reveals to us His person. He reveals to us His presence. What's so profound is that God is not only with us, He's closer to us than our very breath. He is in us. When we said, Jesus, come into my heart, I give my life to you. Like the songwriter said, since Jesus came into my heart. When we said, Lord, come into my heart, everything changed. The meaning behind the name Emmanuel is a perfect picture of what happens to us when we become Christians. God with us. In today's message, Pastor Ed reveals how passionate Jesus is about us. He not only came to save the world, he continues to love us, to be with us, to be in us, and to advocate for us. When we accept his love and sacrifice, we are changed forever. We no longer have to go it alone. We can rely upon our Savior for everything, and he will always be on our side. Now here's Pastor Ed in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, for his continuing study entitled, God With Us. Huxley's words would be true without Christ. Huxley said, the highest altar man can raise is to the unknown and unknowable God. Without God revealing himself in the person of Jesus, we wouldn't know what he was like. Other than that, he was powerful, he was mighty, he was great. But Jesus helped us to see him. Johnny Erickson Tata was in a Christmas Eve service. I mean, she was distraught. They were singing the carols, they were worshiping, but she felt disconnected. And she said to herself, I feel like my life is just a failure. I feel like I've failed at everything. And then they began to sing the old hymn, Emmanuel. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. And when that phrase was sung, that mourns in lonely exile here, she said, that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. And then the next verse came. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here, and drive away the shades of night, and pierce the clouds that, and bring us light. And she prayed, oh God, bring light into the darkness of my soul. In that moment, something happened, and the light turned on. God revealed himself personally to her, and that changed everything. That's what God is doing in the incarnation. That's God with us. He came to show us what God is like. He came to reveal his person, but he came to reveal his presence to us. He wants us to personally experience his presence. It was John Blanchard who said, to know God without God is impossible. As he is the source of all knowledge, he must be the source of knowledge about himself. We can't know God unless he comes and reveals himself to us. He's unknowable. 
And that's why he gave us a revelation of his person and a revelation of his presence. In Matthew 28, 20, it says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How different that is from people of greatness in our world. Uh, you, You have kings, you have presidents, you have celebrities. They're followed by an entourage of people to keep you away from them. Security guards, you know, uh, people who are going to be billionaires. They live in exclusive neighborhoods and they live in huge homes and they have guards and alarm systems. Uh, They keep their distance. What a contrast that is from God, the greatest of the great, comes down in the form of a child. We could see him, we could touch him, we could experience him, and we can experience his presence. He's approachable. There's an old play that depicted a monarch who is dying on his deathbed. And this monarch was dying on his deathbed. He said to those around him, my son will be my successor. Now, it had been the custom, according to the story, that no one ever saw the king because the king was godlike. But when the son began to reign, there was mercy, there was justice, there was peace in the land. There was a powerful transformation that came over the nation. And so the people said, we want to see our king. We want to see our king. In that play, they demanded to see him. And finally, the young monarch came out before them. And slowly from the various quarters, people, as they looked at him, began to say, when my baby was so sick, He came to see me. I didn't know it was the king. Uh, Someone else said, uh, when I was ill and I was sick, he came to see me. And, And I didn't know he was the king. Someone else, when I was in prison, he came to visit me. And I didn't know he was the king. That's what Jesus has done for us in our sickness, in our times of darkness, in our times of need. The king is with us. It begins in the first chapter of Matthew. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. It ends in chapter 28. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's the promise of his presence. It's this king who says, I will be a shepherd to shepherd you. I will be a savior 
to save you from your sins. I will be the friend that stick it closer than a brother. I will be the one who walks with you through the fiery furnaces of life. I'll be that kinsman redeemer who redeemed you. Why could he say to Moses, do not fear? Because he also said to Moses, I'm with you. Why did he say to Joshua, don't be afraid? Because he also said to Joshua, "Ah, I'll be with you. Why can you and I have confidence? Because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God with us, he reveals to us his person. He reveals to us his presence. What's so profound is that God is not only with us, he's closer to us than our very breath. He is in us. When we said, Jesus, come into my heart, I give my life to you, Like the songwriter said, since Jesus came into my heart, when we said, Lord, come into my heart, everything changed. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, I will dwell in them. I love that. I will dwell in them and walk with them. I will be their God. He is in us to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He is in us to save us. God is in us to save us. And she will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save us from our sins. To try and save yourself is impossible. It would be more possible to jump off the Verrazano Bridge with weights around your legs and to swim across the Atlantic to the London Bridge than it would be to save yourself. You can't do it. We needed a savior. The songwriter said, I was sinking deep in sin. But Jesus is that savior who saves us from ourselves, who saves us from our sin, who saves us from the powers of darkness. God in us to save us. In Psalm 48, 14 we're told that he is in us to guide us. Satan has put such blinders on the eyes of people. You know, I, I was thinking about our young people. I was thinking about the various celebrities that were on Walt Disney Channel. I was thinking about Britney Spears, how she just, you know, self-destructed. I was thinking about Miley Cyrus, how it seems like she's going to self-destruct. As you see these people, you realize that they're going about life trying to find who they are, direction. The enemy has blinded the eyes of people. And I love the scripture that tells us that God will guide us all through the journey. We have a map. We have an inner direction called the Holy Spirit who will guide us to make the right decisions and show us the right way. He is in us to guide us. Oh, this world is like a maze of confusion. People telling us to go this way and that way and the other way. But God says he will be a God to guide us, to show us the way. 
And then I love the fact that he is a God to restore us. In 1 Peter 5.10, a powerful passage of Scripture says, And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. There are times that we feel like we're on our last leg. We're on the last lap. But the psalmist said, he restoreth my soul. There are times that we wonder and question, do I have energy to go on any further? But he's the one who restores us. I I think about how that image of God in us has been so marred by sin. He's the one who takes the painting and he's painting over and he's restoring it. And he's making us what we should be, what we could be. There's Peter. Uh, Peter is so unstable. But Jesus said, I'll make you a rock. There's Zacchaeus. He's caught up in greed and selfishness. But he meets Jesus and he becomes generous. See, God is restoring in you and me the image of God that had been lost through the fall. I think about Stuart Anderson. He wrote to Back to the Bible a number of years ago. And he wrote how he got caught up in the 60s with drugs. He started off with just taking marijuana and then it went to a $300 a day habit uh, with other drugs. And then he wound up being involved in armed robbery. And he said, I was trying to be a nonconformist. I was trying to find myself. I was trying to follow the motto, do my own thing. And in doing it, I was conforming to all the rebellious people of that time. And he said, I found Christ in prison. And now I'm free to truly be who God intended me to be. Instead of needing a fix, I carry a Bible. (laughs) Instead of doing my own thing, I'm listening to the Lord. My life has changed. Since Jesus came into my heart, he comes in to dwell in our lives. Our destiny is always, always, always found in God and God alone. Plug into God, get a relationship with God, walk with God, and you become the person you're destined to be, and you begin to walk in the path you're destined to walk in. It's not found outside of God. It's found in God. And lastly, as we've looked at God with us, God in us, now here's the shouting part, God for us. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? Now, Now just stop, look at that verse for a second. If God, put your name in there, if God is for Dave, if God is for Jim, if God is for Jill, if God is for Susan, if God is for, if God is for you, who in the world could be against you? God is revealing that 
He is for you. He is there to help you. We've all heard of the story of Father Damien, a Belgian priest, back in 1873 when he went from Belgium to Hawaii. I remember when we went to Hawaii years ago visiting that famous church that he had preached in. Well, for 12 long years, Father Damien worked among the lepers with very little fruit, very little results. At the end of that time of working with the lepers, he decided to go back to Belgium, discouraged, defeated. And as he was boarding the boat, he looked down at his hands and he noticed there were white spots on his hands. He realized that he had contracted leprosy. He got off the boat, realizing he would have to stay, went back to the chapel and began to preach. And from that point on, people flocked, the lepers flocked to hear him because he was one of them. That's what God did in Christ. He came and he became one of us to say to you and to say to me, I know what you're going through. I know where you've been. I know what you're experiencing. I know about your emotions and I am with you and I'll be in you and I'll be for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the promise. There is a blessed acceptance that we have with God. In Ephesians 1, 6, it says, he has made us accepted in the beloved. Remember the old uh, crusades under Billy Graham? He would always close his sermon with an altar call and then they would sing, just as I am without one play, but that thy blood was shed for me. And he was saying that they were accepted just as they were because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that acceptance follows us all through the journey, not just when you come down at an altar call, not just when you walk before a church and say, I'm going to accept Christ. No, no, it's all through accepted in the beloved. God looks at us and embraces us and accepts us. God has already declared us acceptable in heaven's court. He has passed the vote. He has passed the verdict. He said, accepted in the beloved. There's an acceptance that you have and an assurance that you have in the Lord. There's a blessed assurance that we can have because God is for us. We know that all things, in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I I like the way Thomas Brooks said it. Assurance makes heavy afflictions light, long afflictions short, and bitter afflictions sweet. Uh, God is is working for us. Uh, We have an enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil. And they're an overwhelming enemy. 
I don't know if uh, you heard of an old-fashioned softball team. It was only had four players on it. Uh, the king and his court. And these four players would play softball teams where they had nine players. And most often they would beat them. They would just cream them. We have a God who is in three persons who plays like a billion and he's on your side and he will defeat the enemy that's come against you and me. That's our God. He defeated the world. He defeated the devil. He defeated the flesh. God is for us. Philip Melanchthon, one of the great voices in the Reformation, one of the key supporters of Martin Luther, uh, one of the men who was just balanced and wise, who really was a catalyst in the Reformation, uh, was on his deathbed. And uh, he became distraught and discouraged. And there was one verse of scripture that came to his mind that turned it all around for him. It just lifted him up out of that discouragement. And then a hundred years later, that well-known author of that Christian classic, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, was going through a very dark, deep time in his life. And he, he was just sitting alone, and according to his testimony, this passage of Scripture came to his mind. It's a passage that we read. It says, And what shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Who can be against us? That's your help. God is for you. He gives you that blessed assurance that he loves you with an everlasting love. He tells you that he's there to help you. In London, almost the center of the city, there's a statue of Lord Nelson. The statue is very high up and you can't see its features. But about 50 years ago, they decided to make an exact duplicate of that statue at eye level. And so you could now go to the center of the city and there see the statue of Lord Nelson and it's eye level. And you could see his features, you could see all the details. That's what God did in Jesus. God, so far. If you look at the Old Testament believer, the Old Testament believer sees God, but it's not that clear. But in Jesus, God is seen so clearly. He's a humble God who humbles himself to come well with us and to be with us. He is the God who is with us and in us and for us. 
That's the message of Christmas. The Christmas season is always a busy time of year. The hustle and bustle to get all the gifts wrapped and ready. The preparation of the meal where family gathers to celebrate. It's easy to lose sight of what's most important in this season. We're sharing this special four-part series on the Advent season with hopes that Jesus truly will be the reason for the season. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and check out the Voice of Faith radio media player. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOFRadio1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed Faith Assembly and the entire production team, we want to say Merry Christmas. 